Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. We assembled here today are issuing a new decree to be heard in every city, in every foreign capital, and in every hall of power. From this day forward, a new vision will govern our land. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. Every decision on trade, on taxes, on immigration, on foreign affairs will be made to benefit American workers and American families. We must protect our borders from the ravages of other countries making our products, stealing our companies, and destroying our jobs. Protection will lead to great prosperity and strength. I will fight for you with every breath in my body, and I will never, ever let you down. I am your voice. So to every parent, who dreams for their child, and every child who dreams for their future. I say these words to you tonight. I am with you, I will fight for you, and I will win for you. To all Americans tonight, in all of our cities, and in all of our towns, I make this promise. We will make America strong again. We will make America proud again. We will make America safe again. And we will make America great again. God bless you and good night. I love you.
You are entering the Rory Sauter Show, home of America's Man of the Hour and home of America's biggest Trump supporter. Climb aboard and buckle up your seatbelt because this is a wild ride. Nothing but unfiltered talk and the hardcore truth. Mega, mega, mega. show. It is a pleasure to be with all of you. We had a fantastic show last night, amazing guests, uh, and we had a great topics addressed, so many things we uh, discussed. And uh, I want to, first and foremost, like every episode, I want to thank my audience. I want to thank my co-hosts. I want to thank my sponsors. I want to thank my special guests that are going to be coming on tonight. Um, There's a lot going on in the news, a lot of big headlines. First and foremost, the biggest headline, obviously, is as of a few hours ago, we officially have wall funding, and I could not be any happier. I mean, we are literally in a situation where it's perfect. I mean, you can't describe it any better. The the way this went down, and I was discussing this yesterday on the show is Trump was going to get his way. We knew this. I mean, he was going to play the game. We knew he had a plan up his sleeve all along. Uh, You know, I just, you have the best negotiator in the world, you know, handling, handling the business and the, and the stuff, you know, with, with what's going on here. And uh, he's a perfectionist. Like I've always said, he refuses to lose. The guy is <laughs> the closest thing to invincible that I've ever seen. I mean, I've never seen any human 
uh, pull off the kind of things that this guy uh, is capable of. I mean, it's it's unreal. It's day and night. I mean, it's every single day he's delivering on a new promise for the American people. And yesterday, everybody was doubting him, the media, everyone, about this saying this wall is never going to get funded. This is never going to happen. Trump can dream on. Even Pelosi and Schumer thought they had him. The Democrats thought they had Trump, and Trump played them like a fiddle. Trump had, you know, in the back of his, in his head all along, knew what he was going to do. Like I say all the time, Trump is 100 steps ahead of all these people. I mean, he knows, you know, like a book. I mean, he's dealt with politicians his entire life. Uh, you know, he knows their lifestyle. He knows how they think. You know, he knows how they play the games. So this is absolutely um, a huge, huge, huge victory and just something that I've been jumping up and down about for the last two hours. And for every Trump supporter, for every patriot, we finally did it, guys. We got our wall. Everybody said we were never going to get the wall. We got our wall. I mean, think about that. This is huge. Right before the new, uh, you know, uh, staff and from the Senate and the Congress come in, be, before the new year, we got this done. We fulfilled this. We accomplished it. You know, it could have been a disaster. It would have been, actually, if we would have waited any longer, especially into the new year, because the House, uh, you know, would have drove, gave us a huge nightmare. I mean, this is absolutely beyond incredible. You can't put it into words. And I am just so happy. Um, I want to welcome, obviously, uh, my co-host for tonight. Um, I want to welcome oil and natural gas investor, uh, foreign policy analysis, businessman, motivational speaker, radical Islam expert, and a contributor to Daily Caller, Clash Daily, Live Zet, Daily Surge, and The Hill, Dan Perkins. How are you, sir? I'm fine, thank you. Uh, I just want to uh, I want to ask you a question because you you may have yeah, more information I wanna, than I. I want to remind you. I want to remind you on something you said, and probably everybody remembers on the program months ago when Trump signed the Omnibus Bill. What were your words, Dan? What did Trump say? Never again. He was gonna, never. Never again. Right. Never again. That's right. Never again. And, they brought and it, I they, knew. And they're gonna. I. I uh, real quick, though, I want, I want you to finish, but I knew that Trump was not going to go through with this. I knew that there was no way he was going to be a pushover. There was no way that he was going to let the D.C. swamp drag him in to another one of these outlandish ominous bills. But go ahead. Sorry. So what, what I what – I, uh, I may be behind. Uh, I know – I, I saw, for example, last week when Pelosi and, and Schumer um, were meeting with the president, and Nancy Pelosi basically challenged him to bring it up in the House, and uh, she said he doesn't have the votes to pass it, and he said, I got the votes to pass it. The issue is not the <laughs> yeah. House, it's the Senate, and uh, I as I said, I could be, I've been traveling all day, so I could be a little bit behind. I thought I read that the Senate was voting tomorrow on the House approved bill, but maybe they've already voted. When you said we, we've got, we, we don't have. Well, well the, the House, the House voted, approved it. 
the House approved it, and the Senate's going to vote to either tomorrow. Yeah, tomorrow. They're voting tomorrow. So, and, right. you know, everybody's saying, you know, from what people and, and experts and insiders are, you know, predicting that, you know, we have this from the Senate. Well, I, all I can tell you is what the president said last week in that meeting. He didn't think he had a problem in the House. The House was voted. He said, I think where we have the challenge is that we need 10 Democrats to come join us in the Senate because of the 60-vote rule. And as you and I talked earlier this evening, again, I I think that the the news media assumed that because, uh, quote, the president didn't have the votes to pass the wall, that uh, it wasn't going to happen. They 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 missed they missed the vote in the in the and the in the house, and it was actually I saw it tonight at 217, which is majority plus one. Um, but he needs 60 votes. But again, as we talked earlier this evening, the media is not talking about that Mitch McConnell, through a simple majority vote, can eliminate the nuclear option. And only needs 51 votes to pass the House bill to give us the wall. So I suspect that there is a lot of negotiation going on between the White House and Mitch McConnell about this vote tomorrow, whether or not they should they should uh, invoke the nuclear option and only require a simple majority. If that if that happens, and and I'm with you, I I hope that it does. If that happens, Roy, the Democrats will be absolutely devastated, devastated. And Nancy Pelosi, who was, I wrote a piece this week about her swagger after the meeting with Trump, she not only lost the vote in the House, she's going to lose, potentially lose the vote in the Senate. And when she said the president will never get the money, it's possible by this time tomorrow night, the president will, in fact, have the money, or he's going to shut down the wall. In either case, Roy, he wins. In either case, he wins. Because if he gets the money, he destroys the Democrats. Yeah. If he doesn't get the money and he shuts down the government, he kept his campaign promise. Exactly. And then we'll and see how long it will take. It will, we'll, we'll see how long it will take before the Democrats fold. Um, I want to I want to introduce. Um, obviously, uh, I, I have I have a bunch of people on the line, but Valerie Greenfeld, uh, Legislative Affairs for President Ronald Reagan, uh, international security expert, Islamic historian, political activist, and best-selling author. Are you there? I'm here. Happy as to be always, here with you co- guys. Absolutely, as always, my co-host, and we have. Uh, political activist and lobbyist and director Gianni Rodriguez from New York. How are you, my friend? Gianni? I'm doing great. How are you? Hello? Doing good, man. Good to have Absolutely. you on. Good to have you back. Absolutely. Great to be back. So so I want to I wanna get to you, Valerie, but first of all, um, Gianni, what are your thoughts about all this, man? You were celebrating the whole, uh, you know, earlier on social media, obviously. And uh, this is a big win for us. I mean, obviously now it goes to the Senate, and we got to see what comes next. But it's, it's looking really promising. 
Yeah, you know, actually, you know, like, like Trump said, he said in the meeting with Schumer and uh, Nancy Pelosi, he said the wall is going to get built one way or another. And I really believe that Trump the whole time, he, you know, he plays it very smart. You know, he's he's running the country like a business. And he yep. gave them like what they wanted. He was like, all right. Hello? Say it again? No, I said, I said he's running it like a CEO. You said he's running it like a business. I said CEO. I agree with you. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. He's running it like a business. And I love what he's doing. And I love how in the meeting he told Schumer to his face. He said, we're going to get the wall built or another. It's by the military, by whatever. We're going to get that wall built. And I think what he's doing, he forced the Democrats. was like, listen, I'm serious about a shutdown. And I'm glad that he vetoed that bill that I was trying to come to his desk. And he's like, hey, I'm not going to sign it. He's not going to do it anymore, and he kept his promise. Yeah. I really believe now and that if – I don't know. I hope it passes the Senate. I hope we have enough votes. It's very hopeful. Um, mm-hmm. You know, but I believe – in the guy on Facebook, the, uh, I think it was the, the veteran that's raising money. I mean, I was yeah, shocked. Yeah, the, the GoFundMe like case, in a few as of now, as yeah. of now, it's at about $9 million. Yeah, so I mean, I believe, like I said, this is a revolution, and the people are waking up, and the people are like, listen, if the government doesn't want to help us, we the people are going to do it like it was supposed to happen anyway. So either way, I believe the wall is going to get built. I really hope that uh, it passes through the Senate, you know, but I believe Trump is doing what he said he was going to do. He's campaigning what he said he was going to do, and, you know, it's just amount of time. Absolutely. And you bring up, you know, the, the GoFundMe page, and I was going to bring that up at some point, but I found, I find that absolutely fascinating. And for people that don't know, uh, in the past three days, they, this veteran, uh, who's a, truly an inspiration, um, and he's a, a true war hero, uh, has raised uh, from, from his GoFundMe for the wall through people donating uh, about $9 million in three days. So, you know, if that right there isn't patriotism, I don't know what is. I mean, that's true American, uh, you know, people right there. I mean, want, wanting this done so bad that, you know, they're willing to fund it out of their own pockets. And, it's absolute. it's incredible. And I want to say this. Before we move on, I want to really say this. Chuck Schumer, I mean, he's such a hypocrite. <laughs> this guy, over the years, said over and over again that, in video, yeah, he voted for the wall not too long ago, a few years ago, actually. And I'm like, this guy, what it is about, it's not about the wall, it's not about immigration, it's not about that he cares about illegal immigrants, is he does politics. not want Trump to win. That's the thing, the Democrats want to be in power, so what they want to do is give Trump a fail. So, oh, the wall is not funded, guess what? No one's going to vote 2020. The Democrats want to be in power, it's not about the wall. It's not about illegal immigrants. It's about being in power. That's exactly what it is. Absolutely. It's politics 100%, and you're absolutely right. And, and, and Val, you know, Valerie, I want to get your thoughts on this whole thing. I know you're very happy. I am, but I, I don't think it's time to clink the glasses of uh, champagne yet um, because I think there will be a shutdown, and I don't think that it will pass um, tomorrow in the Senate. Um, I don't know if they'll change the rules. I, I, I'm cautioned. I, I don't, I'm very nervous about changing the rules because every time one party or the other does that, it comes back to bite them in the next Congress. And I, I'm, I'm one that likes to keep the rules that we have um, 
and work with them. I, I predict there will be a shutdown, and I do think that he'll win in the end somehow by twisting arms. Um, and that's assuming also that every Republican is going to vote um, for this on the, in the Senate. And I'm not entirely sure that will happen, um, you know, because people's districts, they have to do what, uh, you know, it's tough to make a decision on how to vote. Do you vote your conscience? Do you vote your, the way the voters want you to vote? Do you vote the way the party wants you to vote? Do you vote the way the president? You know, there's so many considerations. I'm not entirely sure that all Republicans will vote. Um, for the wall. But um, I agree with everything you guys said. I just think it's going to take a little longer before we can celebrate. And like I I said yesterday, I want to bring up this this good point. I mean, Trump has so many different ways, if if worse comes to worse, that he could fund the wall. Uh, So you have the new NAFTA revised trade agreement. You have that's an option. I mean, because Mexico basically gives us a lot of our debt back in that agreement. If you look at some of the financials and the statistics, another thing is the defense spending. That's another option. So you have all these different options that, you know, are, are giving us, uh, you know, things to work with and Trump to work with. So, and he's got executive order. I mean, so, you know, it's in his corner right now. It's in his favor for sure. And he, he's got – he's definitely on offense. There's no doubt about it. Um, and there's been so many great things that have happened this week that really, uh, you know, have him on offense for sure. Um, I do want to welcome to the show, though, our first guest tonight. Uh, you know, very, very popular guy. Wrote a, wrote a phenomenal book, and he's doing a lot of activism work. Um, political strategist, activist, and the author of the best-selling book called The Worst President in History, The Legacy of Barack Obama. You know, I like to call him Barack Hussein Obama, but I'll just say Barack Obama. Um, but how are you, Matt Margolis? Uh, I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on again. It's Matt Margolis. It's a pleasure to have you here. And, uh, you know, uh, it's been months. I, I think the last time you were on the program, I believe it was July. So it's been a while. Um, you and me are good Twitter buddies. And, uh, you know, I see a lot of the different work that you're putting together. And you're, you're doing a lot for, you know, for us and, and for the nation and, and being a true patriot. And you have a sequel to the book coming out. Um, I saw in 2019, which is very impressive. Uh, but for people, you know, that aren't aware of this book and some of the work you've been doing, uh, please, um, uh, you know, just uh, give give all give the insight. You know, uh, tell everyone what's been going on. Well, uh, as you mentioned before, I have the book, uh, the worst president in history, the legacy of Barack Obama, uh, which was re-released in uh, July of this year. Uh, it was previously self-published and became a bestseller, and it's still selling very well. Uh, very happy about that. You know, it, it's uh, been out there in the public for over two years now. It's never gone a day without sales. Uh, I have another book called The Scandalous Presidency of Barack Obama, uh, which came out in April. And uh, for some reason, I, I, I keep writing about him. But uh, I got my new book that's coming out in uh, July of 2019, it's called Trumping Obama, uh, How President Trump Saved Us from, the, from, from Barack Obama's Legacy. And wow. I'm really looking forward to that one coming out. Wow. So, so you know, kind of, 
you know, there's so many things in your book, you know, that really break down uh, how, I mean, he is the worst president in history by far, strong opinion and in many others' opinion. But, you know, Jimmy Carter, you know, was the worst, and then Obama became the worst after that. But uh, he, he makes Jimmy Carter look like a saint, quite frankly. That's how bad Obama is. But, you Pretty know, the, the scandals that you mentioned in specific, I mean, you go into detail. Tell the audience about the, about this book. So, you know, in case they haven't read well, it. Well, the book uh, de- details uh, very quickly about 200 different things uh, about Obama's presidency that uh, were really, really bad. Uh, you know, the, I, it's all organized into chapters. There's one on the economy. There's one on Obamacare. There's one on foreign policy. There's one, you know, all different issues. Everything's organized very uh, very neatly for people to, to, to get the full picture of, of really what the Obama years were like, because quite frankly, you know, if you talk to, to liberals now, whether you, you, know, you see them on Twitter, on Facebook, anywhere on social media, you know, that they, they think that the Obama years were, were like, uh, it, that they were like the most perfect time in, in American history. I mean, there was a poll that came out earlier this year that uh, young people think Obama was the greatest president of their lifetime. I mean, that's just wrong. They shouldn't be thinking that way. And uh, I'm doing my best to, to make sure that that doesn't happen because, uh, you know, p- people who don't learn from history are doomed to repeat it. And I, I know that's kind of a cliche thing to say, but uh, I really yeah. feel that it's important for people to understand just how bad things were under Obama because if we, if we don't understand what really happened, if we don't get the, 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 the truth out there, we we can expect another Obama-like person to to take uh, to, to eventually you know win again uh, again and uh, do even more damage to this country. Yeah, it's it's very. I know I know a lot of people you know definitely want to. There have a lot of people on the line. I know they want to get in on this, and I, I want to introduce. I'm keeping you on. We have a lot to talk about, uh, but I know you know this guy has a lot to say about it. Popular talk show host entrepreneur, political activist, and freedom fighter, Will Johnson. How are you, my friend? Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Happy to be here. Good, good, good to have you, man. Um, but, Matt, going back, going back to this entire thing, you know, the way you studied this and the way you did your research and the way you wrote this entire, you know, book piece by piece, you know, information and, and, all, and all of it, uh, what was the what was the entire process like? Like you know, just and, and the time frame. I mean, what explain that? Well, you know, uh, basically the the genesis of the book uh, comes from uh, basically uh, when Obama was reelected, it was impossible for me to understand how that could have happened. You know, I mean, the 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 economy was was still not doing very well. Uh, I mean, Obama himself said that if he didn't fix the economy in four, you know, in four years, he was looking at a one-term proposition. Uh, Obama should not have been reelected, plain and simple. There's just no way he should have been reelected. It was hard for me to right. understand that 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 he could get reelected, and mm-hmm. I felt that I felt kind of compelled after that happened to uh, essentially put together all the information that I think people weren't getting or maybe it was out there, but you know, a single source that had all the information in one, uh, in one place just seemed like that's something for me to do. Uh, there was nothing else there really like it. 
you know, there's a there's plenty of anti-Obama books out there that kind of focus on one thing. I wanted something that that covered everything or as much as possible to everything that there could be. And so, you know, it was a lot of it was just kind of recalling things from memory, doing research. So, I mean, that happened, you know, that, that, that process started almost probably the next day after I recovered and, uh, and determined that it wasn't actually a nightmare. Uh, but, uh, so it was you know a lot of research and uh over the course of you know several months and actually uh we put out different versions of the book a couple of times before this latest version which um now includes uh stuff that we've learned since he left office uh but uh, to to put it simply a lot a lot a lot of research and uh making sure that things were properly organized uh, so that people could read it uh, uh, quickly and understand things and, and have it all organized in a way that, uh, you know, they, they knew how to find the information they wanted if they were looking for it. Yeah. And this, you know, you, this is absolutely fascinating. And, and, and I want to, you know, I want to get into something specific real quick. And I know, you know, many people have questions, like I said, but President Trump is thinking about pulling us out of Syria. And, you know, he thinks, he thinks now is the time. I mean, let's face it, uh, pretty much 99% of ISIS has been defeated, uh, and they're, they're, they're gone, 99%. That's, that's, and you look at what Obama, the mess he left uh, over in the Middle East, over in Syria, um, and, and I know you, you talk about this a little bit, but elaborate on that a little bit, and especially with all the ransom payments to Iran. I mean, there's so many different things. I mean, the the, the red line that he failed to, uh, you know, stick. I mean, it's all this stuff. Yeah, it, it's 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 pretty complicated. But uh, you know, I mean, I'm not a foreign policy expert, but you know, there's definitely things that it, when you when you read about it, you you, you pick up. But uh, my my initial reaction to the Syria business is that this is probably not the greatest idea. Uh, I mean, I, I could be wrong, but, you know, when I think about what Obama did with, with Iraq, he, he, he announced when he was going to leave. It, it was his entire uh, motivation to just get out of Iraq. You know, he said from the beginning he didn't like the war in Iraq. He wanted to get out. He, he never wanted to be there. He never wanted to be a wartime president, and his goal was get out. And he did, and it, Iraq became a huge mess because of him. If if it wasn't for Obama leaving early, ISIS never would have happened. Never would have, never would have been there. Would never become the problem that it did. Uh, you know, I, 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 it's it's nice to say that that we've we've definitely made progress. You know, thanks to Donald Trump, we've cleaned up a huge mess that Obama left. Uh, I am concerned that by leaving, that there that there will be this vacuum created, that uh, all the gains that we made will will be lost. Uh, I'd like to believe that there is uh, some strategy behind this that uh, we don't know about, where you know the, uh, that vacuum won't won't won't, won't happen. Uh, but th- there is definitely the possibility that Ar- Iran will see an opportunity to uh, to reclaim influence. I mean, you know. Uh, Obama was the one who said, you know, if if the Syrian regime uh, didn't, uh, you know, use chemical weapons on on their own people, that would that would have been the red line from the cross to do something in in, in Syria, and he, and he never did. You know, the, one of the reasons why he didn't do that was because Iran didn't want him to do it, and he was very beholden to Iran and Iran's interests. 
And uh, so th- th- there's a whole big power struggle thing going on there that, uh, you know, I-, I won't bore everyone to get into it, but, uh, uh, you know, I-, I am at this point not sh- not comfortable with this idea of leaving Syria without some sort of long-term strategy uh, being established. Yeah, I, I, Dan, per, Dan Perkins, your thoughts. I want to go to you. Yes, sir. Um, I, um, I, I somewhat uh, disagree with our guests in that um, I think that the, uh, other events that are taking place uh, around the world are having a great deal of influence. And that the one particular thing that I think has the greatest influence is how little money will be able to flow within the Middle East to support terrorists. From the lack of oil? No, because of the $46 a barrel price of oil. That's the problem. The, the, the economies of most of the Middle Eastern nations, uh, 70% or higher of their GDP is a function of the exportation of crude oil. Uh, but if you're exporting crude oil for for less than what it costs you to bring it out of the ground, you do not have surpluses of revenue to support terrorist organizations. That's true with the Saudis. When OPEC was in charge, there was there were hundreds of millions of dollars that were able to be used by the Saudis and other OPEC nations to fund terrorist groups to bring instability to the Middle East and the rest of the world. That money is not there. That money is not there today. I'm not sure that oil will recover to a price of where it costs to extract them. So the the lack of money being able to flow into Iran, the 2,000 troops that we have in Iran will not be nearly as effective as the embargo and the declining price of crude oil which will enrage the, the citizens of Iran who are already protesting in the streets. We just don't hear about it in the U.S. media. We are at a historical, if, if IQ were here today, where he would say to you, and, and Valerie may want to address this too, we have for the first time in the history of the world a situation where a predominantly Shia Muslim country, Iran, which means that the government is the religion and the religious leaders, is under attack by its own people. And I think that this is constantly expanding. The embargo which with, and the low price of crude oil uh, is going to mean far less money to support the people, not only in Iran, but other Middle Eastern countries. The money's not there, and it's not going to be there for a long time. They become dissidents and they are the government are going to have to make choices are they going to feed their people or are they going to fund and feed terrorists they want to keep their jobs politically so they're going to try as best they can to take care of their people first the winner in all this is the united states because we are now no longer dependent on foreign oil we are energy independent we have the first, and that's happened the first time in 75 years from Franklin Delano Roosevelt was president in, two, in 1943. We are exporting in excess of 2 million barrels a day, and we are the largest producer of crude oil in the world. So the power shift and the revenue of oil has moved from the Middle East 
to the control of the United States. Those are very powerful forces. Valerie, what do you think? Yeah. Dan, I agree with most of what you said. Um, you know, it all, always comes down to money, but I don't. I, and the oil is a problem. I think, and I think Saudi Arabia and the MBS has really been working on that for the last year or so to try to get women into the um, the workplace. Not because I think they want to change their um, their Wahhabism, but because I think they see that the writing's on the wall. They have no choice. Um, but I still think that they get a lot of money from um, from drugs and antiquities and all kinds of um, uh, crime. You know, they do a lot of different. They're, they're they're diversified. I guess their portfolio is diversified. Although I totally agree that oil is the main um, place where they get their oil. Um, and what were we? Oh, we were talking about. Oh, uh, before we were talking about Obama. And I was thinking also about FDR because, you know, it's not what he said and what what Obama did. It was the way he said it. People that aren't really listening and paying attention like we all do, just like this is our life, Um, you know, the the farmer in Nebraska or whatever, they're they're hearing Obama speak and he's, you know, charismatic and, you know, people loved FDR because he was, you know, sat down in a nice fireside chat, but... But in the end, in my opinion, both of them, you know, did some great harm, and people still love them. <laughs> so I don't know. I think, you know, maybe the Republicans are the ones that are looking underneath the rug for the dirt that's been, you know, been swept under, and we're, we're realizing that we have to listen to the words and not just uh, um, the um, the performance. Um, Gianni, and, go ahead. As far as, yeah, go ahead. Oh, go ahead, Valerie. Keep going. Sorry. I was just going to say, as far as terrorism goes, I think people. I think that what's going on with the Palestinians in in uh, in the Gaza, with Hamas, answers Dan's um, point. I think they will they will do terrorism over their own people any day of the week, and I and I'm hoping that 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 will bring it, Iran to their knees. I think that that's coming. That'll be the next. I think that might be the next thing that happens. Go ahead. Gianni, go ahead. You know, it's two things for me. Like, number one is we've been spending trillions and trillions and trillions of dollars, you know, over there overseas. You know, and I, I'm with Trump on this. Like, we shouldn't be policing the Middle East. Like, why Why are we – like, you know, I'm a libertarian, so I have – my foreign policy is pretty much like just leave everything in the Middle East alone and focus on America. I'm thinking all the money that we spend overseas – we could be using for America. We could be, you know, funding different programs, you know, when it comes to education, when it comes to jobs and all this other stuff, you know. I think that's what we should focus on. But, however, I do kind of kind of have, like, a, in number two, I kind of have a fear with the whole ISIS defeated thing, you know. It, it sounds good. I don't know if it's true or not, you know. I think they might go underground, you know what I mean? And they are underground. That, I agree with yeah. you. Yeah, They're not and gone in, in no way, in no way, shape, or form. Yeah, exactly. not hearing the so, Yeah, and I'm can like, I, can I just we, if we do that, we better have strong borders because what they're going to do is they're going to start saying, "All right, let's not export terrorists to the West." You know, and I believe that that's what's going to start happening because we did that. However, I agree that we should, but it's just like 
again, I don't know because I'm not, you know, super into, you know, foreign policy that much. It might come back to bite us. I mean, I don't know. I think they're going to be underground forming something even bigger that we better watch out for, I could say. Uh, Can I add something there, Roy? Yeah, go ahead, Dan. There's a perspective that we, we, we have to deal with here. We, we, I understand President Trump when he talks about the trillions of dollars that we've spent on the, the war in Iraq and Afghanistan and Syria and all, all of that. But let us, not, let us not lose sight that when Lyndon Johnson declared war on poverty, this country has spent more money on yeah. the war on poverty than all of the money that we've ever spent in the entire history of the country on war. We've spent $22 trillion of our tax dollars on trying to help the poor in the United States, many times greater than what we spent in the Middle East. Did we get a much better outcome because we spent $22 trillion on the American poor? I don't think so. Great point. So no, which is the bigger way? And I've always said, real quick, I wanna, I wanna say something about the poor thing, and, and you know, I, I want to, I want to get back to, you know, Matt, Matt's thing about Obama, but, your, your point about the poor, and you know, I'm, you know, I live in Arizona. I live in a very conservative place now, and I'm a, I was born and raised conservative, uh, but I grew up in Seattle, Washington, which is a very liberal. City. It's actually probably in the top three of the most liberal in America. But anyways, the homeless and, and the poor situation there is absolutely atrocious and sickening. And their solution every single time is taxing the rich, making it the rich's responsibility. And all it does is enable the problem and it makes it worse, the epidemic much worse, because we have so many lazy people in this country. And so many people that are lost and can't find their way and take advantage of these opportunities. But go ahead, Dan. Sorry. But yeah, uh, oh. no, I, I think you could say the same thing about San Francisco and the, and the same thing about Los Angeles yep. and about yep. California in general. Uh, the solution yep. is to spend more money. And, and, and I really believe that that you know that there are there are people in this country today who are liberals. And, and they are socialists, that they believe they are the, the, the people of the world that have been blessed when nobody else in the world has ever been able to make socialism work. For some reason, they believe they can do it differently. And they're I, not. They're doing, the same, they're doing the same thing. And it's, and it's right. as long as you, as you point out, Roy... As long as you spend yeah. other people's money, until you spend yeah. it all, you still have the opportunity. Yeah. But they haven't dem- – nobody in the world have we ever been able to demonstrate that socialism right. works. Right. I, I, go ahead. I want Will Johnson. I want you to speak on this. Yeah, yeah, please. Um, Roy, who? Go ahead. Uh, uh, Will no, Johnson. You, she, Will let her go. Let her go, now come. Let her let her go, then I'll go. No, no, go ahead, Will.
Let, well, that's go what I'm ahead. Let her go, then I'll go. Let her go, then I'll oh, go. Okay. okay, Valerie, go ahead. Thank you. Okay. I wanted to comment about um, Syria. I think it's a mistake. Um, I think it's way too premature. And like I think it was well who said earlier, what happened in Iraq, you know, and Bush and the, you know, and I think that it's an investment. It's an investment to stay there just for the stability. And we have very few troops. I mean, it was under like 5,000 people. Um, and they're keeping the stability there. And whenever we pull out, then that vacuum is filled. And that's how ISIS came at an organization in the first place was they filled the void. And I'm very worried about the whole stability of the Middle East if we're not there just kind of, you know, keeping, keeping everything together. Um, and I, while I understand that, that um, Bush, um, um, Trump wants to get out and I see, you know, Christmas is coming and everything, I'm just worried that we're going to have to go back there and put more people on the line and put more money in because we're leaving now. Will, go ahead. Okay, okay I'll jump in now. You know what? I, I truly believe that getting out of Syria my personal opinion, uh, I'm going to go along with Donald Trump. Now, a lot of people, you have all the Republicans and a whole bunch of people on the right saying it's a bad idea, it's a bad idea. Uh, the right. question is, is why are we there? Do we need to be right. there? Why do we have to? Why do we have to be the military for the world? Why do we have to put our children, our men and women, on the front lines of someone else's issues? Now, if if I truly believe Trump bringing our men and women home, and then the UN needs to step up and they need to send in troops to Syria to stop any of this fight. <laughs> the, That's so, and, and what I'm saying, and it's the whole thing. It's the whole thing. I know we're part of the UN, and I know, um, yeah. but we need to stop sending our boys, our our young ladies, to fight their yeah. wars. And I mean, that's I so I know a lot of people are saying we shouldn't get out of it, but I, I mean, seriously, but that's, at that's what a valid point, point. But there's no there's no plan now to say, well, we're going out, but the UN's going in. Well, I, well, you know what? I think Trump is going to end. They're going to be forced. Trump, now, maybe you know what? Now, I don't know. I don't know. But some, they're going to have to be forced to to go into play. I mean, what is it? NATO? He's he's already telling NATO they need to pay their fair share. They need to do their fair share. I'm not saying that they don't contribute, but they, no one on well, the Europe, planet contributes as much as America. Europe Period. needs to do their fair share, too. I mean, I don't believe Absolutely. that this is, is their war. I believe this is our war as well because it has to do with Iran. And, and I believe everybody's – this is everybody's war because Iran's the one that's threatening. And they can get to us. They can get to anybody else. Um, and and, and that's that war is already – it's about let me let me let me add one more thing. Okay, let me add one more thing. And a lot of people do not want to associate what's going on in the world with what the Bible says. If you look in the Bible, it says a, a war will start in the Euphrates River that will kill one third of mankind. The Euphrates River runs through Syria, so I think all of this is biblical. We don't even see what – I mean, personally, I think it's all biblical and it's all coming to a head. With Trump moving the embassy to Israel, it's all coming to a head. We're living in a time that's like no other time before. All right. Yeah, done. It's true. 
Very true. Matt, go ahead. All right. So, I mean, I think the fact is that America is uh, has always had a target on its back by people who just don't like us. You know, Iran, death to, death to America, kill America, all that stuff. Wherever we are, we're always going to be uh, we're always going to be threatened by people that don't like us. We already know that ISIS and other other bad actors have been trying to get into this country. They they they're already here in a lot of places. There have been plenty of attacks with, within our own borders that have been uh, attempted, whether they were by ISIS people or ISIS inspired people. So right. I think that the the, the case to be made to to stay, you know, whether whether it's Syria or elsewhere. Is that yeah. if 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 things get out of hand again, you're you're essentially creating that opportunity for for those uh, bad actors to to recruit to to and and to build up resources where they can uh, essentially threaten us here at home. So, I mean, I I understand the argument that you know well we shouldn't be the policeman of the world, but you know at the same time uh, you know regardless of how we got to that point where everyone hates us. Uh, I, I think we have a responsibility to, 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 to go where the front lines of the wars are because I'd rather be fighting them over he, there than over here. Good good point. I mean, you, how make, do, you how, make a valid How point. do we benefit? But how do we benefit by sending our children to fight this war? How do we benefit? I mean, are they... I mean, what are, what are the odds of them coming here? I mean, well, how, look, look, with us being look, there, do we st- with us being there? Are we going to stop them from coming here? No, so maybe no, maybe we won't stop them, but we'll, we'll, re- we'll reduce it. I mean, think about it. I mean, uh, we got attacked several times uh, within our own borders uh, during the Obama years. Now, since Trump's taken over and and changed our strategy, we changed our um, our rules of engagement to, to actually be able to do something about the problem. You know, ISIS, uh, their, their their strongholds have have been taken over. Their footprint has been reduced. They've 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 ceased to be the the the, the force to be reckoned with that they once were. They they are the JV team now because of because uh, uh because Trump put them in that position. You know, it was Obama that that put them in the major leagues. Uh, so uh, I I think uh Trump Trump has proven with that you know a strong military strategy to defeat our enemies where they are. Uh, can prevent them from uh, from successfully infiltrating uh, our borders, and, and you know, th- I mean, this all goes back to border security and all that stuff, which is why I think you know uh, Trump is right to be more forceful about the wall because we we, we need we need to make sure because you know, uh, yes, obviously uh, uh, having poor people without skills coming into this country and getting on 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 welfare and all stuff is is a significant financial problem for the, for the United States, but there is also the problem that that people like uh, you know ISIS fighters and all that stuff are going to come are going to come into come into the America through other countries, uh, th- th- you know, and uh, into the and into this country and and do all sorts of, of bad stuff, and we don't want that to happen. Right, right, very, very well said. I mean, I, I you know, I I go back and forth on this. You know, I it, it's you know it's it's it, it's not it's a nice thought. Uh, to, you know, feel like we've officially defeated uh, ISIS, which it looks as of now that we've taken care of business over there. But at the same time, just when you think it's over, like they say in the movies, it's not over. Like, I just, I have it over. 
you know what I mean? I just, you know, it's like, uh, I, I, you know, not more of me leans. <laughs> yeah, not over till the fat lady sings, but more of me leans with Trump on this one. But I'm still on the ropes because these Middle East people, they are tricky. They are tricky characters, and they are capable of pulling certain things uh, that will fool fool any fool a lot of people. Well, um, leaders I'll of black, the leaders of black for Trump is on the line. Go ahead. Well, hi, how's everybody doing? I'm glad to be here. Um, everybody has to remember that. For, for people that don't know, the for people that don't know, the leaders of black for Trump is a very popular guy right now. He sits behind Trump at every Trump rally. They're very, they're very close, actually, and he's uh, got the black. He's contributed to getting the black support for Trump up to forty percent. So thank you. Well, thank you, sir. Trump is actually the man. Now, he, like, like we say, we know that he's Cyrus. If you believe in the Bible, you're going to either be for him or against him. You're either with me or against me. Explain the Bible you. terms. It's now, 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 this is very important, and and now we have you know the writer on the phone of Obama, the wor- the, the the worst president in history. And please tell your theory on Obama being Obama being the beast from the Bible, because many people haven't heard this a story of of what you told many of us before. Please tell us. Well, no, of course he's he's the he's, the Bible calls him. The third beast, if you read Revelation 13, it says the first beast was wounded unto death. And that beast, that Democrat, was Kennedy. And then the third, second one was like unto him. That was Clinton. And then it says that the, the, the third one would be the image of the beast. And, and so, and he said he was his child. Now, if you if you if you look at that scripture and listen to what Clinton said at the DNC when they when when Hillary won to be the, the the primary, he said that. I mean, hello. Yeah, you're still here. You're hello? good. Oh, I heard yeah. somebody talk. I'm sorry. Okay. Yeah, you're here. Yeah. Not when Hillary when when Obama won last time when he was running, Clinton said. That that guy was his son, and that he is in his image. Everything that he did in his first term is what he, Bill Clinton, would have done if he was there. So he announced him as the third beast. And Yahweh Ben Yahweh told me a long time ago. He said Bush would be the last president before a black man becomes president, but that first black man would be the beast. And and by Golly, Obama proved that he was the beast. He's not the worst president in the world. He is the beast. He's an animal. An animal lives off the life of other people. That's what communism is. You're living off of everybody else's work and don't allow other people to enjoy what they work for. So Obama is the ultimate bastard of hell. He is the devil's child. And so I'm I'm just the one that's not afraid to call him what he is, everybody else, because you don't want to look racist. Well, I'm black, so damn that. He is the beast and a dog of hell. And Hillary Clinton is the devil, serpent, Satan, and the dragon. And her husband is the second beast, 
that was eaten up by her ignorant, evil, stinking ass. She is Jezebel, who will not repent, so she will not be saved. That's Revelation 2, 20. So God, Yahweh, has laid them out to be souffled. They're afraid of Trump because now Trump knows that I wrote to him and I let him know that the independent are our actual problem, the one who was trying to apologize to the black man. So he's doing what Paul did. So y'all remember, when he pulled out of a war, he doesn't have to do that no more because, you know, they knew about King David. If you just insulted David like they did in First Samuel chapter 10, God, Yahweh said, they have insulted the king, but therefore, go in all nations will see and fear and do no such evil. Trump did that when he attacked Assyria. That let them know, if you mess with me, I'm going to whoop your ass. So <laughs> Kim Jong-un immediately became Mr. Nice Guy because he saw bombs hit every spot that had anything to do with bombing old children. He didn't have to have a whole bunch of us over there. You understand? It's unnecessary. We're the strongest in the world. When the black man and the white man is in unity, nobody can whoop our ass. We are the Jews and the Gentiles. <laughs> we are the chosen of God, and we are the original ass whoopers. If you try us, Russia knows it, China knows it. Everybody has to back down when they see the little old me and me standing beside Trump. That means we have the moral authority because I'm who the independent are acting like they're fighting for because they scared. So we can get them to vote for us just by me standing with them, and guess what happened? Right away, um, what's that guy's name? Oh, yeah, uh, Putin and all of them have to back down because Putin got one damn ship. He can't whoop nobody there. He can't whoop some y'all acting like he can put fireworks down. We will blow them out the sky. And we have God on our side, too. He doesn't have... Yahweh on his side. Yahweh said, be not afraid of them, because I am a mighty God and terrible. That's Deuteronomy 7.21. If I didn't believe that, I wouldn't be standing with this man. His decisions are actually perfect, because he set them up. Even when he took the bomb set, I mean, what do you call those things? The, the things that make a gun into a machine gun? Because he knows they're going to challenge that. Now it's going to go to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court it's going to make it legal for us to have weapons. We're not going to let these goddamn Democrat vampires walk around with teeth, and we can't have no teeth. If you got a gun, we're going to have a gun. It's not going to be you can just come up and shoot me and get away with it. If you come to shoot me, I'm going to shoot the hell out of you. And that's all that problem. And you are not better than me. I'm a better ass whooper. So now we don't have to worry about nobody when everybody got guns. You got a gun? I got a gun. You want to say, oh, Trump is a liar. Hillary is a liar. You want to lie? Let's lie together. See, the problem is white people, my good Republican brethren, are too over-righteous, and they do stuff like we almost lost the whole Civil War because we following the rules of engagement, standing out in the open, saying, ready, ain't fire, and bragging on how General Lee wins all of the battles. Of course he's going to win because this bastard Democrat dog is hiding behind rocks while you nuts are standing out there being righteous and shooting in the wide open. Of course he's going to beat you every time. But when Regiment 46 was given the right to fight because Abraham Lincoln had enough sense 
to allow us to help him. And Harriet Tubman told those black guys in Redmond 46, you see how they dug it? You dug too. We went out there. We won the battle. Guess what? The over-righteous Republicans reprimanded them. The first battle they won, we get reprimanded because we fight like they fight. It took Sherman, General Sherman, said, what the hell is wrong with you? You see how they fight? We have to fight the same way. Let, I'm going to go and fight like they fight. And then when he went out there and took those black soldiers, we whooped their ass. Because you can't really whoop us now. Don't get, don't get high and mighty, Russia, like you really got some power. We will beat the hell out of you with no problem. We'll come and arrest you and watch you sit in jail. So you and she all, and all of them who talking all this trash, calm your ass down. You cannot whoop the black man and the white man in unity. <laughs> it's impossible. And guess who knows that? Trump. He has the Trump card. The black man and the white man. Their only hope is to separate us, start some kind of stupid race war, and then come in and help us kill white people because that's what their plot was the whole time. That's out the door now because now that I know that that's my blood brother and it's all about, I mean, Second Thessalonians chapter 2 says, that it's time for the two brethren to unify, but they will not unify till the son of perdition is revealed and moved out of the way. And we had a brother write a book called Obama is the Worst President in the World. Oh, that's him on the phone right there. Yeah. When he wrote that, you revealed that bastard. And I just go into it further. I just call him a dog and a, the beast and, you know, some other names that I can think of. I'll think of some more evil names for him. But everybody else is scared to say that. I'll say it about him. That's why you have to let me talk because well, you don't want to be uh, see and be on uh, don't don't say the right thing. You know, we don't want to look like racist. I'll take that. Like Trump's willing to take the blame, I'll take the blame. You understand? I can shut Maxine Waters' ugly ass down, just like I ran Jesse Jackson out of town in 2000. Wouldn't even let the Negro speak when he was on the stage. And everybody, said, oh my God, he ran Jesse Jackson out of town. Yeah, you want to count the chance, nigga? You gonna have to count the chance somewhere else. Can't count them here in West Palm Beach. I brought 20 black guys and blocked them off. Then I did the same thing to Obama in 2008 when he was running, and nobody, they couldn't call me a racist. I stood up in the middle of his, his speech and booed that Negro almost off the stage. He, he was about to cry. Calm down, guys. I said, shut your ass up, nigga. Get the hell off that stage. Like, oh, my God. Oh, my God is right. Damn this nigga. He believes in gay marriage. He believes in abortion. Yeah. black man. Damn that nigga. And you know what? But I can say that. If you think you can't say it, I got it. I got it. I can talk about this nappy head East Indian bastard looking like a nigga and he ain't no black man. He was never in slavery. His people are the ones that had us in slavery. And blaming, they're blaming white people for the crap that they punk ass did. So I, I'm, I'm with Trump all the way, and I don't want to hear none of you sit up there and scrutinizing Trump. When he's using the wisdom of Solomon, he's being just like Cyrus. He, he ain't going to do it your way. He's going to do it God's way. You don't think that was wise for him to say, okay, um, I'm leaving Afghanistan. So I, he can stand over here and push a button and knock out a whole city. He can knock one man out of his, of his boot. There are bombs that can travel across the ocean. They know... He knows he has that ability. We don't need to be there. All we got to do is let them know we're going to actually whoop their ass. Because if we did what, what David did, that's what I told everybody. 
when they went and attacked us in the Bible, they attacked us from the back hill, one old man, one child in Exodus chapter 17. Yahweh ordered us to go in and kill every Amalek, every man, woman, child, sheep, goat, camel, and ass, and then burn the city so that all nations will see and fear and do no such evil. So you only have to mess them up by one or two times. Everybody will get the damn message. And then they won't mess with us. You don't even have to be over there. All you got to do is let them know, if you do it, I'm going to F you up, dog. Don't play with me. <laughs> and see, Trump is the dude that will do that. That's why I love him, respect him, and honor him. Oh, man, he's bombastic. But you better read about Cyrus, because Cyrus was bombastic, egotistical, and a warmonger. But he had to be like that to destroy the Babylonians and free us. So you either want to be free or you want to be a punk. If you want to be a punk, stand on the side with cords so the earth can swallow your ass up. We're going to go over here and whoop their ass. And we don't even have to be there to whoop their ass. Okay? Thank you very much, everybody. Go ahead and talk. That was very well said. Bravo, bravo, bravo. Um, Gianni, your thoughts on, wow, I have a lot to say, but Gianni, go ahead. My thoughts on what exactly? <laughs> um. Uh, Gianni, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. I'm just saying what, my thoughts on what exactly. Oh, I mean, I thought you may have had some thoughts on that. Or Will Johnson, I thought, may have had some thoughts. Uh, I mean, I, mean, I have a lot. With me, with me, I'm just not into, like, the mixing politics and religion and all that other stuff, you know. Neither, sir. I don't mix politics and religion. That's historical facts, and those are the laws. The, the Bible I mean, is not about religion. We don't rely on other stuff. We, the, the history of the Bible is what even the military uses today to make their decisions. All their tactical decisions come from the Bible. The, the Constitution was written from the 613 laws of God. And the Bible said we must be like God. It ain't about religion. It's about eye for an eye. Everybody else does an eye for an eye. So if you hit me, I'm going to hit your ass back. That's all. You hit me, you hit me in the mouth, I'm going to take uppers and lowers. I'm going to knock your teeth out. And that's how I go. So once everybody knows they're going to get their teeth knocked out, they won't hit you in your teeth. That's just the law. That's logic. We got to stop being punked and let the East Indians and Arabs and Pakistan come on there and just beat the hell out of us. And, well, you right. know, we, we can't. Listen, man. All right. You got to go and hit, the, so hit their think, family. Well, when they hit us over here, you hit their family, and then they'll stop messing with you. You got to do it the way God said. You try to do it the other but way. No, but I mean, I mean. But no, so I, I mean, can bring here's, it back. Here's, here's, here's my thing. It's it's not necessarily about whether, you know, someone attacks us. I'm just saying, if we're going to truly put the Bible in it, we got to take the whole thing, which Jesus said, because we believe in the Second Amendment as Americans. But in the Bible, Jesus continuously say, you live by the sword, you die by the sword. He says, you said, you, you heard it say that. So that's, that's not what like he said. Well, you got to quote it now. I know what it says, but I can show you Matthew 10, 34, where Jesus said, I didn't come to bring peace. I came to bring a sword. I can show you in Matthew chapter 12 when he walked in the temple and beat the hell out of them with a cat of 12, which knocked me Will out of your ass. Jesus was your pastor. Go ahead. Yeah, I'm here. So you know what? We cannot separate. See, the problem, I think, right now in America is that we separate religion and politics. And let me separate. Let me we act as real if quick. Before, we, before you proceed, Will, I just want to say one thing. 
you know, and t- since we have since we have the author on the line uh, who wrote the worst president in history, the Obama legacy, I think it's fair to say, and I, I say this all the time, that he is the greatest divider in the history of politics. We have never seen a country so hateful towards each other, racially, uh, bigotry. I mean, it's to a whole nother level. I mean, it's worse than the Civil War. But go ahead. Sorry. No, you're absolutely right. And Obama was like the leader of it. Obama led it. He he wanted to make sure that we were divided. But to get back to the point about us separating politics and religion, people go to, when you go vote, I guarantee everyone on this phone call, when you go vote, you're going to vote based on your beliefs, not just the research you've done, but I guarantee it. Because you don't believe in some of us don't believe in homosexuality, but you're going to vote a certain way because you have that belief. So, I think the problem in this country we've always separated God from politics, as if God doesn't have anything to do with politics. And then we we might as well do like the DNC did and have a vote. Let's take a vote on it. Do we want to remove God or do we want to have God involved? The DNC voted overwhelmingly to remove God, and that's the problem Right. right now. I don't, we we don't well, even want to recognize it. Go ahead. But me personally, I don't vote based on you know religion because I, I myself am a Catholic, you know. But I don't vote based on religion. I vote based on the Constitution, which says Congress shall make no law respecting a certain religion. So if we're making yeah. rules based on, oh, th- th- this is what I believe. I believe homosexuality should be. So then we go to the ballot box and say, hey, this time we're gonna vote. No, I'm gonna vote based on. How is this like illegal immigration? Some people use the Bible and say, well, the Old Testament says that, you know, God gave it. Well, no, no, no. Let, let's forget about that. And let's talk about why we should not have illegal immigration today, which is going to hurt our country. Like, that's just it. But if at religion, there's one Bible verse that can be, that can support conservatives, but there's another Bible verse that can support liberals, you know? So I think, it, I, I'm not saying totally distance it. I'm just saying we could, we shouldn't like bring it too hard because it was George Bush that said, "I prayed to God about going to Iraq War." We knew that was bullshit. You know, we should, we should have never went to Iraq, but he still went because he said that God, he prayed to God and God told him to go. You know, like, and I so just think that I, is, I, I think all of I think my point is my point is getting confused about what's on paper. And what we do as human beings is two different things. What's on paper, and I agree, if it's on paper saying that, you know, for example, that if if the Democrats get in, uh, if if the Democrats are successfully able to remove President Trump in 2020, they are going to bring in Sharia law, and that will be on the books. That will be on paper. Yep. I'm completely against that. Any religion being on paper, on the books, trying to force the, the society to follow along with it, I am against it. But what I'm talking Agreed. about is us as human beings. We, when we go to the polls and we vote as human beings, there is no separation. We may say there is, but there's not. And, see, and people don't even want to recognize that. But on paper, you're absolutely right. It should not be on paper to tell us to believe a certain thing or to vote a certain way based on paper. But as human beings, we do. Oh, so Perkins, I want your th- Go ahead, Valerie. Thank you. I just wanted to say about the Sharia law, and I agree. The thing is, our country was founded on 
um, a Judeo-Christian idea. And if you bring exactly. in, and what that means what that? is, if you if you if you immigrate into our country, you you will abide by the laws of this country, and you will take this country as as your own. But if you are a, um, if you are a, um, a radical Islamist, that's not what their religion says. And so this is the problem. Is like whoever just said about Sharia law. I mean, they their Sharia law will say kill the infidel. That means take over our country and take away our freedoms. And and religion is not um, the First Amendment is no longer valid because if you don't if you don't believe in Allah and follow Sharia law, then you're an infidel and you should be killed. Right. That's how you feel. Agreed. And so separation of church and state is my bottom line. Dan Perkins. I wrote an article, co-authored an article uh, at uh, Clash Daily with IQ Arizoli on the very question that the gal- that Valerie was raising, the fact that the And you write, you write for some of the biggest newspapers on the market. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, yeah. But we wrote, we wrote a, a, a joint commentary on the issue of why Muslims not radicals, while why Muslims in and of themselves, based on their religion, will never assimilate when they come into the United States. And it's all there, quoting chapter and verse, out of the Sharia law. My point is that the reason why we have a problem is that we don't understand, and I addressed in the first book of my trilogy, A Terrorist Perspective. We do not understand. I've done thousands of radio and television shows, and I've asked thousands of talk show hosts what percentage of their audience has ever read any part of Sharia law of the Koran, and I get less than 1%. If we do not know who the enemy is and how they think and why they hate us so much, then we don't understand how we must protect ourselves. We have an ignorant group of people in the United States, tens of millions, hundreds of millions of people who do not understand the Muslim faith. And as Valerie said, either you're a Muslim or you're an infidel. And if you're an infidel, you need to be killed. And while we have a separation of church and state in the United States, in the case of the Muslim faith, the religion is the state. The religion is the state. That's the fundamental That's difference right. between them and us. Yeah, right. and uh, Matt, yeah, Matt Margolis, I, I wanna, I wanna, I wanna keep you on and ask you a few things. And, and we do have a. Uh, I want to welcome my next guest, but I want to keep you on. I'm getting to you right, right now. Uh, but uh, I do want to welcome a very special guest, economist, entrepreneur, motivational speaker, writer for Town Hall, writer for Newsmax, Live Zet and a professor of finance at Stockton University in New Jersey, Dr. Michael Bussler. How are you, my friend? I'm doing very well, Rory. It's my pleasure to be here. I've been listening to uh, this conversation, uh, trying to determine the uh, right mix, I guess, or the separation between uh, religion and government and politics. And, um, you know, there's a lot of valid points being made here, I think, and stimulating conversation. And you're, you know, you're a professor at a university. You witness this kind of stuff on a daily basis. 
Uh, yeah, yeah, especially uh, as as you know, most universities uh, today have a very liberal uh, bias, um, and uh, just the kind of things we're we're talking about have gotten into uh, the faculty, the curriculum, and eventually gets down to the students. Uh, you know, it's part of the reason why the uh, college students and the younger millennials uh, start to question the the system we have here and. Is capitalism really the right thing? And um, from what I've been learning in college, it sounds like we should have more of a social orientation. Um, you know, so they're all coming out like that. And, uh, you know, it's a problem not only in the colleges, but, of course, they're filtering in through uh, society. Yeah, right. absolutely. Very well said. Uh, getting to back to you, Matt. Matt, I, I want to get into a few things. You know, regarding, you know, more things regarding Obama. Let's talk about, you know, ex- you know, especially with what's going on with the border right now and the border crisis and all of the problems that he built, that, that built it up under his presidency, under his administration with, um, you know, uh, the, the illegal immigration situation. I mean, DACA. The overflow, the, the mass immigration, the, the letting the criminals in uh, come in five times after they're deported over and over. I mean, you know, the Operation Fast and the Furious with Eric Holder. I mean, I could go on and on, but I'm sure, you know, that, that those are some other things that you're very familiar with. Yeah, there's a huge laundry list of crap that happened under Obama, which, uh, you know, thankfully uh, – Thankfully, Trump won and was able to kind of put the brakes on a lot of stuff and then uh, reverse quite a few things. Um, but, you, you know, it's it's been a very distressing process writing about it because, uh, you know, when you, when you research this stuff, you, when you know what happened, uh, you right. wonder how it was able to not, – not just how he got elected in the first place and then got reelected, but why some people still believe that things are so great. And and that's kind of the big problem. It's it's you know go back to um, you know what are what are these young people millennials being taught now? And, you know they they're taught to to hate America, not to trust America. The capitalism is evil. I mean that's those are the kinds of people that are going to enable the the hardcore yeah. leftists of the future. Uh, it's right. it's a very scary time, and and we don't have uh, a lot of opportunities left to to, to stop uh, this from being an irreversible situation. Yeah, and here's a, here's a few of the big ones that you know some of the bi- here's a few of the big ones that in Obama's presidency that were the most scandalous. I'm going to name some right now: Operation Fast and the Furious, obviously Benghazi, IRS targeting conservative orgs, uh, DOJ seizing journalist records, uh, the NSA mass surveillance, uh, ransom payments for Iranian hostages, Bo Bergdahl swap. Secret Service scandal, the Clinton email scandal, obviously, and I'm sure you know. Uh, you, I I haven't read I haven't read your book in, in, in entirely, uh, but I know you talk about uh, some of those various topics in it. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, the, the book covers a lot of stuff. I mean, there's there's two hundred two hundred things that. The, you know, 200, uh, I don't want to call them chapters, well, they're not chapters, but the 200 items that are organized in the chapters. And it, they just cover a wide array of things. Uh, it, you know, I, I can't imagine anybody reading through that and 
not agreeing with the conclusion of the book <laughs> that yeah. the, you know the that Obama was the worst president. Uh, you know, and I think when when you take everything in, in a totality, uh, you know, it leaves you one. The only thing it really leaves you wondering, or, or maybe, maybe it doesn't, but uh, you know, I think for me, it you know, leaves me wondering whose whose side was Obama on. What, 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 was he really on the side of, of the United States, or, or was he uh, really fighting uh, on, the, on the side of, of some other player? And I never felt personally that he was ever uh, fighting for the interests of, of the United States. And he, wasn't. Uh, he absolutely wasn't. I mean, yeah, I mean, billions of dollars to Iran. Uh, you know, constantly, uh, you know, siding with the with our with our enemies, with uh, right. you know, against Israel. Uh, I mean, all these things enabling Muslims. Uh, exactly. I, I mean, and you know, like I mean, let's look at look at look at DACA. I mean, completely unconstitutional. Uh, you know, it, it is quite clear in the Constitution that it is Congress that that uh, has to write immigration law, and he just kind of wrote it out of thin air. And then signed his name on it, and you know we, we get this uh, we we get this uh, uh, you know DACA nonsense, uh, but uh, you know but then then Trump says well I'm going to get rid of it, and then you get these hardcore leftist judges saying well no you're not going to get rid of it, you know I mean these are people that are supposed to be you know bright legal minds uh, that that have been you know given a federal judgeship uh, that are that are saying. That uh, DACA, a program that was never constitutional to begin with, uh, can't be gotten rid of, and that getting rid of it is unconstitutional. I mean, this country is is, is there's a lot a lot messed up going on right now. Uh, this stuff should not be happening. And uh, you know, we, we keep seeing uh, people or, uh, like Obama pushing the limits of what can be acceptable. Uh, I mean, it's yeah. just like it, uh, earlier we were talking about how you know uh, before I came on. Uh, someone had something about how you know Schumer had supported a, a you know a border wall or border fence, and now he doesn't. Trump, right. you know, we're we're personalizing politics or, or turning into a a a, a, a a a war of personalities, I guess, where right. it's wh- whoever's in charge, you know, you're you're fighting on that team uh, when when we should be fighting for the for Team America, I guess uh, would be the way to say it. Um, you know, uh, and I feel like Obama is kind of. This is a problem that's been going on for years. I'm not going to say that this this problem started with Obama, but he really truly accelerated this issue of a real uh, you know divisive politics where it's us versus them, and 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 really, I mean, he was the guy who took who you know he took his public public to drive a wedge uh, in between various groups of of, of the American population, and uh, we are paying the price for it now. And I feel like what we're seeing now with Trump, all this Trump hate, is is kind of the response to what you know, essentially what we were doing under under Obama, where you know we saw what was going on. We were we were doing you know there's a, there's a Tea Party and all that stuff. Uh, you know that this is this is payback. You know they don't care what Trump Trump wants to do. You know they just they're just going to oppose it. And I mean Trump's a guy who's been been in the public eye. You know. Uh, and probably what as long as I've been alive. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I mean, you know, and all of a sudden, you know, he 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 comes out to run as a Republican, and yeah, you know, he's now the most racist person that ever lived. You know, he hates black people, he hates brown people, he's uh, you know, he's uh, um, you know, a homophobe, all that. He's throwing these labels at him, 
not because it's true, but because right. because they see him as as a threat. Right. And and, it, and it's a look that this this is how politics has evolved. Yeah, and and you know, it, it's you know there, there's a couple things you know there's a couple things that came to my mind. The the epidemic with identity politics, you know, voting for a guy because he's black, voting for a girl, a woman because she's a woman. I mean, that had a lot to do with electing Obama. I mean, people didn't even know anything about his policies. They just voted for him because he was black. Same thing with Hillary Clinton. They voted for her because she was a woman, didn't know anything about her policies. Um you know, and that, and that's something that's really a problem in America, especially with the way – and that, that comes with parenting. I'm sorry, but from my research and my experience, that sort of shit comes with parenting. There is no doubt about that. I mean, you know, if you're not teaching – I mean, if you're teaching your kids to play identity politics, then there is something wrong with you. But I want to ask you some, some real questions about Obama real quick. First sure. of all, do you think there's any strong claims, which I believe there is, because every, I, I think most of the evidence points to it, uh, because of the figure of the body and um, Michelle being a tranny. Um, <laughs> I, I, there, there's no way that Michelle Obama is a born female. That, that is a dude. That is not. A woman. There is no way it was. <laughs> apparently, it was born Michael Robinson, um, and and it was a dude. And you know, there's been many reports that Obama was raised by transvestites over in um, where was it? Uh, oh God! In, in the, what, Indonesia. Before, Indonesia. Indonesia. Yes, yes. Thank you. Can you can you please, uh, Matt? Confirm any of what I just said if it's true or not from your research. Uh, no. It's, it's, I mean, but it's, Michelle it's, Obama looks like an NFL linebacker. I mean, it looks literally like, like literally like I, somebody you would not want to mess with, like Ray Lewis you know about what? to tackle I, you or something. I had a gym <laughs> teacher who probably did this thing, looked the exact same way, and, and but yeah, no, but I've been all serious. Uh, this, uh, I don't think this stuff about. Her being a, a a tranny is really adding to the conversation at all. Right. I think uh, you know when it comes down to it, you know, for me, I don't care about those types of things. I think that they're a waste of time. When there's just been reports you know, about it, I, it, and nobody's ever confirmed it. It's a conspiracy, obviously, because even if she was, I mean, it would never even come out. You know. Uh, but but look, well, the, the thing that I do know is that we we can look and see what Obama did as president and how bad it was. Uh, we, 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 can, we, can, we can look at that. That's concrete. There's evidence there. Uh, yeah. I, I have no problem talking about that, but I, I, for, for me, I, I don't waste my time with, with stuff about, you know, all this stuff about her being a transvest or, or transsexual or whatever, you, whatever they called now, um, you know, or, 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 or any of that stuff, uh, uh, you know, the, the whole birther stuff. It, it it's a complete waste of time. It doesn't no, no I hear you. No, I mean you, you know, know whether and, you know we'll uh, never know. Go ahead, Gianni. Yeah, yeah. You know I was gonna say, and that's you see that's one of those <clears> things where I really 
nothing against anyone that believes that, you know, but it's just like one of the things against the conservative movement that I really hate is the conspiracy, Alex Jones, far right people, you know, that just make up all kinds of stuff and say, oh, well, this might be this. I'm like, it's, I, I want to focus on the American people. I want to focus on jobs. I want to focus on immigration. I want to focus on foreign policy. Like, I want to focus on the all this other stuff doesn't doesn't matter, and it's going to make people – that I'm going to tell you this. There's a lot of people um, on college campus that's Generation Z, you know, that are starting to become a conservative movement because if you look at Turning Point USA – most of these people are just entering college, and they have a, a, a conference down in Florida. And I was at one conference when it came to the, the Black Young Black Leadership Summit in uh, Washington, D.C., and I was talking to a lot of people that was coming up and asking about it, you know, at the conference. They weren't part of it, and they are black people, and they were like, you know, we want to join, but, like, the stuff they say about Michelle Obama, like, really – stops me from moving forward, like, with conservative people. And I apologize for that. Like, I, I mean, I know it can be funny sometimes, but it's just like there's some time we have to distance ourselves away from the conspiracy theory movement of the right. Yeah. You know, because but, don't, yeah. people are not going to But I'll, say, but I'll say this. I, 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 I agree with that. I feel like it, it's, not, it's not contributing to the conversation. But I also right. think that when, when on the other side, they keep talking about Russia, 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 Trump and Russia, all that stuff. Right. It, 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 True, forces, it, forces, it forces the extremes to hold on to whatever conspiracy theory they can, they can just because they feel that yeah. they can weaponize it. And uh, yeah. I think that's, that's a problem. Now, now let, me, let me ask you, you know, you know, Matt, in your book, the biggest, after writing all of this, what do you think the biggest scandal Obama ever did was? The one that you did the most? spent the most time on and were the most baffled by? Uh, well, you know, <laughs> um, I, I would say this. Uh, it's hard to quantify, uh, you know, wh- wh- which is the worst because you, you can look at Fast and Fierce and say somebody was killed and say that that's really bad. Uh, but, um, but, you know, I, I think there's also something to be said about various, you know, when, when it comes to significant abuses of power, uh, such as uh, you know that that he that he repeatedly did, and I think if you were to look at the total, you know, his presidency as a whole, and and look mm-hmm. at the various scandals that happened, you know, it's kind of right. like Obama did this, he got away with it, so he was going to do this, and it kept building up and building up, and it built up to right. this guy is trying to run, uh, is running for the for the presidency, and he's going to do everything that that I did. I'm going to stop him. I'm going to spy on his campaign. I'm going to do whatever I can to make sure he doesn't get elected. I'm going to do whatever I can to make sure that even though he's been elected now, that he will, he will be basically uh, uh, unable to govern, you know, spying on Trump, doing all, all this nonsense with, with this, this phony, uh, uh, you know, Russian dossier and all that stuff. I mean, to me, that was the culmination of eight years of getting away with murder, essentially, and figuring that he can use the powers of the government to, to, to stop a, a, a political candidate. Right. Right. And, 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 you know, you, you make, you make a good point. And, and you know, I want to, I, I do have to let you go in a few minutes. I, I do want to, uh, you know, finish up on this, but, you know, let, let, let's face the facts here. Uh, Obama raised the debt more than all presidents in history combined. He, um, you know, had the, the, the highest, uh, unemployment rate uh, and people out of the labor force 
I think, in the history. I mean, especially uh, with the minority community. I mean, he really uh, – the highest unemployment, I mean, like the worst unemployment. I mean, the rates with the minorities and, and even with the middle class. I mean, he had some of the worst numbers. And the food stamps were at an all-time high. Welfare was at an all-time high. Uh, you know, he was basically enabling – uh, you know the 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 people of, that weren't working and and were screwing over all these taxpayers and the way he ran things economically, all these businesses left America, all these factories closed down, you know, all these different manufacturing uh, businesses stopped and and went elsewhere. I mean, you have all these various our trade deals, our stock markets. You go on and on. Our real estate, our oil, our you know, it just the list just keeps going. Yep, just on and on and on, and uh, I did everything I could to get as as much uh, that I could find into into one into one book, and and I and I can tell you, there's probably more that that uh, I I could find now to put in there. Uh, I mean, there's just yeah. a lot, a lot of stuff, and sometimes it's like, well, is this worth putting in? If it's not, it's not worth putting in. Uh, you know, it, it was it was a very tough book to write, and it, I mean, it essentially took you know, four years, I guess, uh, actually now six years uh, to, to, to get to the state that it's in now. Um, right. It's no easy task. And uh, I really feel that uh, if uh, the more people that read it, that understand it, you know, we, we, yeah. uh, we maybe America collectively will make better decisions. You know, Obama yeah. came onto the national stage having basically come out of yeah. nowhere, uh, right. completely unvetted uh, and, you know, look what look what we got. Yeah. Hey, no, no, I absolutely hear you. And you know, I want to get obviously, Doctor Bustler. I want to get to you. We need to talk about some major economic issues. Um, you know, okay. before we let Matt go, though, uh, Will, do you have any questions for Matt? No, I don't. I'm just listening in. Okay, uh, Gianni, you have any final questions for Matt? Um, yeah, just what do you think is um, – what do you think the Republican Party or the conservative movement will look like after Trump? Like how could you possibly like have something new or something different without raising up another like – 2024 basically, what do you think What do you think is going to look like after Trump changed the party radically? You know, I, I think uh, – what, or what I really hope Trump's legacy with the Republican Party is – is that he will have taught the Republican Party how to fight back. You know, uh, when I think back uh, to the, the, the Kavanaugh hearings, what happened there, I, I don't know of any other Republican that would have stuck by his nominee the way, the way Trump did. And, uh, you know, we saw Republicans in the Senate, you know, standing up for this guy. He was standing up for Brett Kavanaugh. And uh, it was the right thing to do. And I, I think that, uh, that Trump changed the way Republicans see politics. They, they, that, that they're starting to realize that this is a blood sport, that, uh, that the other side doesn't want to work with you. They want to destroy you. And they have to, and the, the more that uh, yeah, the Republicans figure this out, uh, the better we'll be when it comes to, you know, future elections. And uh, I, I think uh, that, that Trump is the guy that's teaching, you know, not just elected Republicans, but like Republicans like, like us and, and, you know, the average voter, that, that, uh, and to get them to realize that you know we we can't be passive anymore. We can't be. We got we got to be the ones out there, uh, you know, uh, 
standing up for, for, for the right things and, and being vocal about it and not being afraid. You know, we can't be, uh, you know, uh, shoved into the corner because we're too afraid to be who we are. You know, right. we, we've constantly been silenced, you know, whether it's in the media, whether it's in Hollywood, whether it's in academia, you know, uh, and, you know, we're, we're seeing reports of like, you know, the kids are, are wearing MAGA hats to school and, and getting punished for it. And, and they're, they're recording it, you know, because because they're not backing down uh, anymore. They're, they're not they're 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 not as afraid as they used to be. And uh, I, I to me, like, that's that's what I want to see more of. I want to see Republicans not afraid to be Republicans anymore, to be to come out of the shadows. You know, I mean, I. Uh, I haven't always been comfortable being outwardly Republican to people because like, I don't want to offend anyone by accident that, uh, or, or, or I'm worried because they're, they're going to negatively judge me without getting to know me first. Uh, And that's the whole thing, but you know, we got to Republicans have to stop, you know, standing there, you know, knees shaking with our tails between our legs. And uh, Trump is the guy that's teaching us how to do that. To, to be fighting. And, and Matt, before you go, um, you know, you have your uh, sequel book coming out to this, this Obama book in 2019. Give us a little spoiler. Give us a little uh, premise of, uh, you know, what that's going to entail. All right. Well, the book is called Trumping Obama. And uh, what, it, what the book discusses, it discusses all the, uh, or not all of them, but like uh, a lot of uh, the, the key uh, elements of Obama's legacy that Trump has successfully uh, managed to reverse, uh, and I and I go over uh, you know you know quite a few of them. I explain what the Obama policy was, what what uh, what Trump did to reverse it, and why this was a good thing. And I, right. I, I look at it as as kind of a primer to you know the, the 2020 election and why why Trump deserves to be reelected. Right. Well, wow, very nice. Well, uh, Matt Margolis, uh, you've been a pleasure, man. It's uh, really been great having you on. Um, you know, I want to thank you, uh, and uh, we'll definitely have you back soon, man. Great. Thanks for having me and on And tell everyone where they can find you. Tell everyone where they can find you. All right. Well, um, you know, mattmargolis.com you can go to, or if, uh, you know, if you're interested uh, – in any of uh, my books, well, you know, just find me on Amazon. Uh, get, you know, I have a couple of books out there uh, that you should check out. And, uh, you know, give them a read. And uh, um, I guess that's it. All right, Matt. Thank you, man. We'll talk to you soon. Right. Have a good Christmas, man. Thank you. You too. Right. Dr. Bustler, um, let, let's get to economics. This is, this, this okay. is huge stuff going on right now so first of all uh obviously i want to get your thoughts um you know the house the house um you know i I'll, I'll get to this in a second but we talked about it earlier with the house approving uh the, the yep. bill for the wall for uh you know almost six billion today and uh it's everything yep. we asked for it just has to go through the senate now but uh something i want to ask you that's very important uh, the GAO came out and said they're investigating the White House exemption to steel and aluminum tariffs. Do you know anything about that? Um, <clears throat> um, only that um, when Trump put the tariffs on 
uh, both steel and aluminum, uh, there were some uh, hardship exemptions. Uh, there, there were some countries, um, he put them on China and a bunch of other countries, um, and I know there were some countries that were uh, exempt from this, and there may even been some American companies um, who could buy Chinese steel and not not pay the tariff. Um, some of it was because uh, it was a specialty kind of uh, product that um, a relatively uh, uh, had a small market, and China was really the only one making the product. Um, it's not something that an American company was making. So if you put the tariff on, it was going to cause severe hardship, perhaps to an American company who has to purchase it. Uh, and he did give some uh, exemptions. Whenever you have something like that, uh, somebody is is always going to complain. Uh, why did they get an exemption and I didn't get one? So I don't know the specifics of what the GAO uh, has in, is investigating now, and I hadn't heard about that yet. But typically, that's the kind of thing that that happens. Somebody will complain that the exemptions were given out uh, unfairly, uh, and it should be investigated. Yeah, and, and let's talk about this huge thing that happened today. And you're an economist. Yeah. You know the, the economy very well. President Trump signed this huge farm bill today helping our U.S. farmers. Uh, elaborate on that, how this benefits our economy. So the, um, the agriculture industry uh, has been getting subsidies uh, forever. <clears throat> and uh, <clears throat> excuse me. part of the reason is that um, with – Products as vital as food, and they uh, subsidize the milk industry also. Uh, with those kind of products, you want to make sure that um, under any circumstances, there is, is never a shortage of the uh, product. If ever there's some uh, really severe weather and uh, you know crop yields go way down, you want to make sure there's never a, a shortage. So essentially... The government policy is geared to uh, keep farmers in business, even in times right. when the market is such that they um, uh, really may, may be producing a little too, too much. Um, also, um, in the Farm Bill, um, since Trump uh, did put the tariffs on Chinese goods, uh, China put tariffs on a lot of agricultural products uh, that come from the U.S. soybeans, uh, is the one that I think got hit the hardest. Um, so Trump said, look, um, in the long term, I'm going to open up these foreign markets to you, uh, and it will benefit you in the long term. And most farmers uh, support what Trump is doing. However, in the short term here, it is going to cause you some problems. Um, and Trump said, it's, look, it's not fair that you should have, uh, have to absorb all of the hits. So there's some subsidies in there to take care of those people also. Yeah, I mean, and, you know, there's there's all these things that we're, you know, doing and making these countries be held accountable. And, yeah. you know, and, and it's really – it's paying off for us because we're we're winning in, in, in with the trade war with China, like we yeah. talked about the other night, which is huge. And, you know, another yeah. thing that was announced today uh, with the Trump administration – that uh, they're tightening the use of welfare recipients. Uh, they Welfare people have to prove themselves that they're going to collect benefits. There can't be mooches anymore. There can't be freeloaders. 
They actually have to, uh, you know, prove themselves. Talk about saving taxpayers' money. Holy moly. Yeah. Yeah, and there's also um, talk about putting in, uh, putting back in a uh, work requirement uh, for welfare recipients, and I. Yes. They're even starting to talk about food stamp recipients. Now, th- this the work re- um, requirement was actually first put in by Clinton, uh, kept through the Bush administration. President Obama dropped the work requirement uh, for welfare. We never had it for food stamps, I don't believe. Um, but now, uh, and, and as a result of not having a work requirement, um, you know, welfare became much more uh, attractive to people uh, to collect it and, and stay on it, even if they're, uh, you know, uh, able to s- support them themselves. So by putting on a work requirement, um, they're hoping that uh, once people start working that, you know, maybe they'll get some skills back that, uh, they never had or, or that they may have uh, lost, and maybe that will make them more employable, uh, and then they don't have yeah. to be stuck on the welfare program. And in many instances, yeah. uh, welfare recipients are stuck there for generations, and it just becomes a culture where the family lives on uh, welfare, um, and uh, oftentimes that's not enough for them, so they start looking for other ways um to uh, get income, and, you know, sometimes uh, they're not quite as legitimate as we'd, we'd like to see them. Right, and I know many people have questions, but I do want to bring up one more topic, and then we're going to go into yeah. all of this uh, in detail. But uh, the Trump admin this week has admitted and uh, said that they're cutting foreign aid uh, to various countries because these right. countries – for example, do not respect us. They don't do anything for us. It's a burden on our taxpayers. It wastes so much money that we could be putting elsewhere and other resources. Uh, speak on that and, and the relief that, that it creates for our country and our economic system. Yeah, there, there are hundreds of billions of dollars in foreign aid that we pay to um, many, many countries. The original thought was that if some of these um, countries in need, if we don't support them, you know, originally uh, back in the the Cold War days, back in the 60s, they said, look, if we don't start supporting some of these countries, they were afraid Russia would come in, uh, give support, and then gain influence in uh, many countries around the world. Now there's some talk today um, that if we're spending all this money, and we certainly can put it to better use here in the U.S., but if we don't um, uh, give some money to uh, underdeveloped countries, uh, there's now some worry China is starting to come in. Um, now, they just, I believe Trump, uh, Trump just negotiated something with China. Uh, China was doing this infrastructure program in mostly countries in Africa uh, where they, they uh, lend the Africans money uh, to buy uh, uh, Chinese, to have the Chinese come in and, and build roads for them. Um, it ended up, though, that the countries were deeply indebted to, to China, um, and China is not uh, shy about exerting its influence. Uh, so there's, um, uh, I think Trump addressed this I- issue, uh, but um, there is fear that if we cut back on all of our defense spending and all the aid we give, that uh China, for instance, may start exerting uh, their influence and 
you know, they have some aspirations to be uh, uh, the number one world power. You know, they want to uh, uh, surpr- uh, supplant the uh, U.S., uh, and they want to become the number one superpower in, in the world. Uh, so if they keep spreading their influence around the world, they believe they're a little closer to getting there. Absolutely. Well, very well said. And, uh, you know, I I, I want to go to Gianni uh, real quick. Gianni, your thoughts? Rory, let me break in real quick. I, this is Will Johnson. I want to say thank you, but I have to go. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah. let me get your quick thoughts real quick, and then I'll let. Um, I just, I mean, I totally agree with uh, what you've been saying. Um, I'm kind of like just been listening in and out. Um, and yeah. with, I really don't have any other extra comments, to be honest with you. Okay. Well, Will, tell everyone where they can find you. Okay. Um, right now my website is down, but you can find me at unitesamericafirst.com. It has connection to all my social media. Yeah, so, what hey, happened and to Roy, that? I, I looked really online and it, it. Said, it said you got disconnected to your website. What happened to your website? Uh, my uh, my producer, she's uh, revamping it. So we're going to try to make it more functional. So. Okay. And, and real quick, uh, 30 right. seconds before you go. Uh, the border wall got funded today. I forgot to ask you about this. We talked about it earlier in the program, but the House approved uh, Trump's six billion border six billion dollar border wall. And I know you've been fighting like crazy down at the border with your activism work. So I'm sure you're pretty happy about that. Yeah, I'm, I'm ecstatic. So the the thing is, these Republicans they need to take note to a president that has a backbone that stood up to these Democrats. He is a great example on how these Republicans should be with the rest of these Democrats. And that's it yeah. in a nutshell. Hey, thanks. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Take care. Well, we'll have you back soon. Cheers. Take care, everybody. Yes, sir. Uh, Gianni, go ahead. Uh, yeah. See, at first, when it comes when it came to uh, Trump's tariffs, I wasn't really a fan, you know, because I'm, I'm, I'm really a, a free market person. Um, but after seeing it, you know, economic growth is up. You know, the inflation is under control. Um, the tariff industries are enjoying strong recoveries and things of that nature. So I think it's turned out to be a good thing. Um, as far as the farmers, uh, him giving money to farmers and things like that, uh, you know, I don't know. It, it could be a good thing. You know, we'll see. Um, um, you know, I just think that, it would be better under a free market, but from what I'm seeing right now, you know, Trump is more of a protectionist market person. Uh, it could be good. You know, I don't know, but the way it's going, the economy is doing well, so I believe it's a good thing for now. And, hey, you know, Rory, you know, I, I can – yeah, go ahead. Uh, I was just going to say, Rory, I can, I can add a little bit uh, to that. Um, Trump himself is a a free market economist and his uh, preferred position would be to not have any tariffs on on anything. Um, What, what happened was when he he got into office and he examined, uh, and I've talked about this on the show before, uh, all the trade agreements, they were all slanted in favor of our trading partners and to the detriment of the U S so, European Union makes a car, China makes a car, we charge a 2.5% tariff, they charge us a 10% tariff, China charges a 25% tariff. All the agreements were slanted. So he wanted to get everybody to the table 
to renegotiate these. And, of course, they were reluctant to do so. So uh, Trump is a business person, not a politician. A business person in a situation like that would create a sense of urgency. And he put the tariffs on to create that sense of urgency. And already Mexico and uh, Canada have signed. Uh, We have a new deal with South Korea. We're working on one with um, Japan. The European Union says they're going to work toward um, a no-tariff policy. China's at least at the bargaining table for the first time uh, ever. Um, so his goal is to get as close to no tariffs on anything, which you won't quite get there, but he'd like to get no yeah. tariffs on, on anything and have truly, truly free trade. Right. I got right. it. Right. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, so two things uh, I'm asking your guests. Number one, would you call Trump like a modern Margaret Thatcher uh, type person? And number two, with the economy, would you say we're going back to the 1980s, you know, where Wall Street had that boom? And, you know, the 1980s with the Reagan-Thatcher, you know, movements where, you know, they went against socialism. And you actually saw growth, not only in America, but, you know, in Britain – in Britain, you know, the economy was booming after Margaret Thatcher came in. Right. Um, I, yeah, I see uh, tr- the tax cut that was passed um, last fall was modeled after the tax cut that, that Reagan did. Now, they weren't able. One thing Reagan did was he got the top tax bracket down much lower. In fact, by 1986, he had the top, top bracket down to 28 percent. Politically, you couldn't do that. Now, but when he did that, uh, that created huge amounts of ca- of new capital, and he created it at a time where the U.S. was switching over from more of a labor-intensive economy to a capital-intensive economy. So, having all that newly created capital uh, enabled the country to really grow, go on a growth spurt from 1982 to 2007. We had a slight hiccup in '91, another little hiccup in 2000. One, but essentially we had that big uh, growth spurt. Um, So uh, the the only difference with Trump I see and the Reagan-Thatcher view is, um, and I've said this before, I I think Trump has the the mind of a Republican and the heart of a Democrat. Um, So I think Trump has a little more heart um, and a little more, I don't want to use the word compassion, but... um, a little more social responsibility um, than uh, Reagan and and Thatcher. Now, personally, I agree. I I think the Reagan-Thatcher way uh, ended up uh, working much better, but I think Trump is a little more of a moderate. Trump is definitely – and I want to say real quick, uh, Trump reminds me of Kennedy so much. I mean, that's – he is – that's why he probably admires JFK so much. But go ahead, Gianni. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, that's that's exactly how I view Trump. I, I to be honest, I see him as a blue dog Democrat. You know, I, that's yeah. how I, I cause if you look at his social, Peter, he really doesn't care about yeah. homosexuality. Or, he doesn't care about none of that. He just wants to make sure working people are able to work and the economy is free. You know, and I think that right. that's a, a free market liberal, if you can be honest about it. You know, and that's how I view right. him, you know. Right. He's not necessarily over conservative, you know, with the bump stock, man. You know, 
conservatives were pissed off at that. Like, oh, my right. gosh. But right. Yeah, that's a big thing not- right now. There's outrage on that. And I, I was going to ask about that real quick off topic. Do you think that affects the economy badly, uh, Dr. Bustler, with the bump stock ban? I mean, there are a lot of people buying no. them, I mean, but there are also a lot of people not using them. Yeah, that, that's not really an economic issue. Either way, it's not going to have um, much effect on the uh, economy. That's more of a, uh, you know, a government control kind of uh, issue. Um, and, you know, there's arguments on both sides of that. Um, but uh, my view is that whenever there's arguments on both sides, whatever the majority of the people decide is the right way to go, I yeah. think that's the way we should go. Well, well I'm glad, mm. real, real quick, I'm glad Gianni brought that up. Because my whole theory on the whole bump stock thing, I mean, yes, it's not that big of a deal. People don't use them, uh, you know, as often, or, or they're not that popular of a thing. But when it says shall not infringe upon, that means shall not infringe upon. And when you give the Democratic agenda an inch, they'll take a mile. I th- this is how it all starts. That's just my strong opinion. Maybe, you know, I, I, you know a lot of people agree. Some people don't. Um, uh, what, what are your thoughts? Um, yeah, my view is uh, just like that, that um, uh, you have your, your view. Some people tend to agree and, and some not. I don't think there's necessarily a right or wrong position on this one. Uh, so in that case, it's just whatever the majority think is the way to look at it is the way we should right. We should look at it. Right, 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 right. And Gianni, what about you? Uh, for me, I, I really don't have a problem, you know, because, oh, man, I, I'm trying to figure out how to say this without, you know, going too overboard. When it comes to the bump <laughs> stock, I really don't see, like, I mean, come on. I mean, why do we, why do we actually need bump stocks? You know, like, because if, if we're going to go there, when it comes to gun rights and say, oh, well, we should have it, then we should legalize all kinds of weapons. We should legalize a bazooka. You know, we should legalize tanks. You know, rights shall not be your friends. You know, but I believe that it's what is the point. bigger picture. You have a point. Yeah, what is the bigger picture? Because, like, 1964 Civil Rights Bill went against the the uh, the uh, – the uh, uh, the private, you know, the private businesses and things of that nature. I'm a libertarian. I believe in private ownership and things of that nature. And it went against right. that private uh, view. But what was the bigger yeah. picture that people that look like me can be able to go and sit down, you know, right. and, and eat, at, eat, eat at any restaurant? So I feel like the bigger picture is I believe banning bump stocks would stop people from – you know, like the guy in Vegas, if he never had that bump stock, he would not have been able to kill as many people. Now, I'm not saying that's going to make it work whatsoever. I'm just saying that right. it's going to make it, I believe it makes it safer. You know, there's no reason to have a bump right. stock, you know, for me. Right. Right, absolutely. And, Dr. Bustler, we have only a few minutes left. I have, I have like, another question for you. But just to, to say Go a ahead. few things real quick that I haven't said to my audience, uh, to, to let everyone know, uh, Defense Secretary James Mattis will be retiring at the end of February. Trump is hiring a replacement right now, uh, or he's looking. He's not hiring right now, but he's looking. Um, and I'm sure there's already people in mind that he, they're mentioning on the news. Um, and also, what I want to, the last thing I want to ask you, uh, Dr. Bustler, uh, Acting yeah. Attorney General Matthew Whitaker 
uh, is not going to recuse himself from the Russia probe, which really kind of helps the situation, unlike what little Jeffy Sessions did and uh, totally screwed over Trump. What, what are your thoughts on how this is going to play out with Matthew Whitaker? Yeah, um, we're finally going to get somebody, and, and Matthew Whitaker will only you know, be there probably for uh, a month or so. He's already nominated uh, William Barr to, to be the um, attorney general. Uh, so probably sometime in January, the confirmation hearing yeah. um, will be held. And remember, the Republicans will have 53 votes, and it will be 53 true votes. Uh, before we had 51, and you know, a bunch of them yeah. weren't quite true votes. Uh, so he'll get um, put in his place. Both of them, uh, William Barr uh, and Whitaker, uh, both of them are going to take a, a much harder line uh, on and uh, a little shorter, give uh, uh, Mueller a little shorter uh, leash. Uh, I'm hoping they also start to uh, look into some of the other allegations that uh, for some reason uh, Mueller is not looking into, uh, and that is whatever the Democratic Party uh, whatever their involvement was in any collusion with the Russians. There's certainly some strong evidence that suggests uh, the Democratic Party was behind the, the dossier. Yep. And, uh, there's a yep. lot of uh, misinformation well, look, 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 look in getting warned. Look what just came out today. I mean, Rhino John McCain's uh, closest confidant yeah. was the one that leaked the P dossier. Yeah, unfortunately, look, I have a lot of respect for John McCain. I mean, he, he did he served David, his country the guy, well. David, and the, David Kramer that, that leaked it. Yep. Oh, yeah, go ahead, though, about John McCain. Sorry. Yeah, yeah but John McCain said it was did not come from his office. <laughs> I mean, he said he didn't give the dossier isn't out. It, he had the dossier. Isn't it interesting how it comes leave. out after he dies? Isn't it interesting? Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm, I don't know how that's going to play out. And even some of the people that uh, is a cop from uh, Yahoo News, he even said, and they cited him as one of the sources, uh, he even yeah. said he didn't believe a lot of what was in the dossier, too. So I'm not sure why Mueller is not investigating that, uh, except that yeah. he really has no interest in Russian collusion, and it's more an interest in removing Trump from, from office. But you right. asked about the new attorney general, um, and uh, whichever of those two are uh, in, Whitaker for a short time and then uh, uh, William Barr, um, I yeah. think they're going to take a little stronger look at this um, and sure. see what they'll, what they'll let Mueller do and how they might expand it. Absolutely. And we do got to run, but uh, doc, Dr. Butler, please tell everybody where they can find you. Uh, on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash funding democracy, funding democracy. Absolutely. It's called funding democracy, the economics of freedom, but just go on Facebook, search funding democracy, and you'll see all my writings. Absolutely. And Dr. Bustler, it's always a pleasure, and we'll have you yes, back on next is. week. And me- me- Merry Christmas, and, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. Okay. Take care. All right. And uh, Gianni. Tell everybody where they can find you, Mr. Director. Uh, you can find me on Facebook at uh, Gianni, G-I-A-N-N-I, Rodriguez with the Z, uh, Paris. And on Twitter, you can find me at Gianni Paris, G-I-A-N-N-I-P-A-R-R-I-S. Yep, excellent. And uh, 
Thank you, Gianni, and we will have you back on next week. Merry Christmas, my friend. Merry Christmas. Um, I do want to thank all of my audience. Uh, it's It's been a pleasure tonight. I want to thank my special guests. I want to thank my co-hosts. I want to thank my sponsors. Um, please visit thedonaldjtrumpstore.com. Again, that's thedonaldjtrumpstore.com. Visit makingchristianitygreatagain.com. Again, that's makingchristianitygreatagain.com. Both of those places are your one-stop shop for some of the greatest Trump apparel and merchandise you will find. You can visit me on all my social media sites, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can also visit GetYourAppBuilt.com. Again, that's GetYourAppBuilt.com. And also, please visit TheNextGenUSA.com. Again, that's TheNextGenUSA.com for all our interviews, all our past radio shows, and our brand-new 24-7 news service that we recently launched. Um, again, uh, we, I want to thank all the fans. We are now downloadable in 19 countries. You can find our show all over the internet. Uh, it's been a fantastic show and being with all of you tonight, I've loved it. Uh, I want to wish you all a Merry Christmas and we will be, we, we will be back with you all next week. Uh, God bless you. Uh, cheers everybody. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.